hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. Jesus, when he was coming in on the colt, you guys know the story? Coming in on the colt, he sent his disciples to Bethany, and he said, go to Bethany, bring me the colt. Uh, I need the, the colt to come so I can ride on it because it was a prophecy going to fulfill, be fulfilled that Jesus was going to be riding into town on Palm Sunday, coming into town the week of the crucifixion. He um, was going to be coming in from Bethany, and that was part of the prophecy. So Jesus sends him to, to Bethany because Bethany was a place, it was a good place. Uh, it was a place of Mary and Martha where Lazarus was raised from the dead. Um, it's throughout the entire New Testament. Um, it was a place where he was prophesied and going to be coming in on that lowly donkey coming in, not as the king of kings that you would think a king would come riding in on a big white horse uh, with a, a, a throng of people. It wasn't that way. He came riding in lowly on a donkey and he went to Bethany to get it. So when, when he come in on that day, it was important for everybody to know well, he's fulfilling prophecy, but there was two different types of people in the crowd. There were people that were going, what kind of king would come riding lowly in a town from Bethany on a colt? And there was other people going, this is fulfilling prophecy. So either you know it's fulfilling prophecy, or you know he's riding in on a colt that you have no idea. The same type of, when the word of the Lord came forward, and some people heard thunder, and other people heard the voice of the Lord, or the angels speaking, the voice of God. There's always... Two groups of people, probably more, but what I've been able to see in the scripture, there are people that hear what you're saying, literally, and try to figure out what that means practically, but then there's other people that are a little bit more anchored in something spiritual, so they're able to hear what the Spirit is saying. I think it's good that you hear it naturally, but boy, I'd hate for you to hear something naturally and not really understand what God's meaning behind it, right? I want you to get revelation. I want your eyes to be open to hear and see uh, uh, more than, he's, he's more than just some guy that died on a cross that took away the sins of the world. And we hear the stories in the Bible about him breaking open you know, two fish and five loaves and feeding 5,000 people. And Jesus knew how to draw a crowd, but he also knew how to run one out. Okay? He could feed you two fish and five loaves, break it open, take a, a lunch from a little boy and feed 5,000 people and it attract a bunch of people because they wanted food. But when he started looking at him and said, hey, I need you to eat my flesh and drink my blood, everybody leaves. Because they don't want to be a part of that. They'd rather have the fish and the five loaves. So there's, there's the, nothing's changed. It's still it's 2,000 years later, but it's still the same types of people. There are people that, what is in it for me? And then there's people that are going, what is he really saying? And how can I really understand? A heart that's truly born again and what I mean by born again, your eyes are opening it up, your heart is learning towards him or leaning towards him, you're wanting more of the deeper things of God. When I say deeper things of God, that doesn't mean understanding just the book of Revelation. I'm talking about understanding when he says, your voice speaks into your ear and your heart, that you kind of know what he's talking about. You're starting to unpack the, the understanding of something. Like for example, let's say that you're a, a contractor and you do masonry work, and you're a mason, uh, worker and you, you understand. When you first started, you became apprentice because you just learned how to do what they told you to do. But after a while, you learned to work your way up. It's not that you're getting better at your trade, you're understanding the fullness of the trade. Right? Understand? 
if you're a, a business owner and you, as Brenda was talking about this morning, you have a product and then you're perfecting your product, it's not a matter of just doing your product. You have to understand the whole aspects of business. Otherwise, you just are serving a product. But the more you understand the aspects of business, you start getting enlightened and understanding of things. Caden is a good example from football. He started playing football this year as a, he, he, as a fourth grader. At the beginning of the year, he was, really didn't understand the whole field. He just knew how to th- get a three-point stance somewhat and fire off when the guy said go. And then he had started learning why there was the, the two second goes, you know, on two, why there was a set, why there was a get ready, and the defense would jump off sides. And all of a sudden, now he started realizing, whoa, now I know why we do one or two, because we can draw a penalty if they jump off sides. And so he's starting to learn how they think. So the more he plays and the more he gets engulfed in it, the more understanding he gets of the, the bigger picture of why things are way the, the way they are. So we, yesterday we were coming back from the game. He was saying things after about five or six weeks that he had no understanding of at the beginning of the year. And I didn't try to just cram it down his throat at the beginning of the year because if I would have, it would have been way before he'd have been ready for it. So now he's bringing it to me, telling me he's, got que- he's saying enough that I know he knows, but he's not fully understanding. He's getting more understanding. This makes sense? Anything you do, sports, anything that you work, it's just that way. It's the same way with the kingdom of God. It's the same way with the Bible. It's got to be more than just a Harry Potter book or a a movie that you see on TV. You crack it open, and the more you stay in it and around people that talk about it or live in it, it, the book becomes the person of Christ, and you begin to see him more, and then you get to understand why he does what he does, and you begin to see how he thinks, and things begin to change because you start learning the aspect of life, because the book is the book of life, right? And the things you don't understand, you keep living, and you live long enough, you may not ever understand everything, of course, but you live long enough, and you'll realize what you knew 10 years ago maybe wasn't exactly full and complete until you live a little longer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because what I know today, I probably would have fought you against five years ago. And now today I'm going, whew, I'm glad I didn't fight anybody over that because I was wrong back then. And now I'm learning and it's developing. So when Jesus tells the people to go to, 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 to Bethany, his disciples, and get that colt, get that foal, he comes and he comes riding in on this donkey. And as he comes riding in this donkey, everybody was two groups of people, the people that thought, hey, this is... The king, fulfilling prophecy, or there was also people there going, I don't know why in the world a king would be on a, on a donkey. This doesn't make sense to me. So it confused them in their mind. Well, after Jesus had raised from the dead, crucified, buried, raised from the dead, there was a, there was a situation in Luke chapter 24 where Mary was at the, 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 the grave. She goes to anoint uh, the area around the grave, comes to find out the tomb is open, the stone has been rolled away. She comes running inside and seeing that there's, there's, there's no body. He's not here. So she goes back and she tells the disciples, and Peter and John, you guys know the story, come running to the, to the tomb. They see, oh my gosh, he's not here. 
So the, the question is, did he really raise from the dead like he told him he would, or did somebody steal the body? So those questions. And then, obviously, you know the story, many of you, the, the religious group said, hey, we've got to come up with a story, because if people think he did really raise from the dead, we got a problem on our hands. If we say that the body was stolen, that's a better story. So they decide to pay and bribe the soldiers that were at the tomb to say that. So they, they concocted the story, and then they had, they concocted their own gospel, their own story, their own news, and then they had to keep paying to protect that news. <laughs> Let the Spirit speak. Right? The real gospel provides the fake news has to be sold. And it has to be, you know, the gospel itself is power. It doesn't have to be sold to bring power. You don't have to pervert it. The message itself speaks. Hear me? So the tomb is rolled, the, 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 the tomb is opened, the, the stones are rolled away. Marion is there. The disciples come running back. So they got a mess on their hands now because now there's excitement that Jesus is raised from the dead, but there's all kinds of commotion going on. Here's what I want you to hear. There's two guys that are walking down this road on Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. They're minding their own business, walking in mourning because Jesus, the one they had put their faith in the last couple of years, their confidence, they were disciples of Jesus. One was named Cleopas, and the other guy, I don't think it was mentioned his name, but they were walking down the road, minding their own business, rehearsing the story of the crucifixion. All of a sudden, this gentleman walks up from behind him while they're still walking in Luke chapter 24, and he asks him, he says, why are you guys so down? What's, what's the problem? And they looked at him and they said, are you the only one in Jerusalem, the only one in this whole area that don't, doesn't know what's happened? I mean, where, where have you been? Jesus of Nazareth, the one that we thought was going to set up the kingdom here on the earth to take us out of our misery and our pain, the one that we've been putting our hope and faith in, the one that came from Bethany on the colt, walking in here as if he was the guy, the one the palm branches were laid out in front of, the one that went to the, the one we thought was the king is been crucified and how the Roman soldiers and the Jewish tradition and the, the elders of the, the religious community have crucified him and put him to death. So we don't have, what we thought we had hope in is not hope anymore. They're walking along telling him this and, and this man that's walking with them says, what are you talking about? So he keeps asking them questions about the story of a man that they thought was the one that was the king, going to be, but he ended up dying on a cross. What they didn't know that the gentleman that they were talking to was Jesus. The Bible says their eyes were withheld or holding. They were blocked over. They, were, they couldn't tell. They didn't see him. Why didn't they see him? Well, this is the, his eye, their eyes weren't open up. Now watch this. As Jesus is walking with them, he's talking to disciples. Jesus talked to these disciples for a few years before he died. What happened 
that they couldn't recognize the same Jesus that walked with them just a week before. What changed? Did they change? No. They didn't change. Something changed to cause them from going who he, to knowing who he was to who he is then. What changed? Wouldn't it be awful that something happened in life and you not know that something changed and you not know it changed? And Jesus in the midst of your situation, walking in the midst of your communications and talks to people, and you're talking to him and not even know who it is? What was it that caused him to them to be confused when they saw him before, but they didn't see him after? How many people in the church today know him as the one that fed the 5,000? Know him the one that was on the cross? Witnessed this, these guys witnessed him dying but do not have the discernment to see him in his resurrection. Many of, us are, many of us are walking short of what God called us to be because we know him before, but we don't know him after. Many Christians are living BC rather than after the death. These guys are proof. These two guys are walking down Emmaus, talking to Jesus and did not know him, telling him about him, quoting scripture to him, preaching a sermon to him about him, but didn't know it was him. How can that be? How can that be? So Jesus looks and says to them, he says, he begins at Moses, he didn't go back to Adam, he went to Moses. And from Moses all the way to the current events, Jesus began to speak from Moses to that time and spoke of himself. And he began to reveal himself and unveil himself from the day of Moses and the law all the way to the day of the resurrection. And the Bible says at that point, their eyes of understanding were open. And when their eyes of the understanding were open, the Bible says they said their hearts were burning within them. We have a church, a body of disciples across the world, listen to me, that worship him, that know all about him, talk to him but we have not had the revelation of a resurrected Christ. Yes, he rose from the dead, but do you know him as the resurrection or do we just know him as the one that was slain? Do we know him as the lamb, but also know him as the lion? These guys didn't. Now, I'm concerned because these two guys were there in the reality when it was happening. I would like to think if I was there in Jerusalem, 
when all this was going down and you're witnessing this firsthand, it'd be like all of us running outside right now and watching something happen on their front lawn and us all witnessing it as a firsthand testimony going, my God, look what's happening there. We're we're seeing an eye account. We're eyewitnesses. And we're looking at this thing going, can you believe this? This is amazing. My God, this is, a, this, is, this is something else. And we're witnessing it. But wouldn't you hate to witness something and not really understand what you're witnessing? These guys thought it was over. He's dead. He's gone. The one we put our hope in. They didn't understand how it all ran together. Too many of us haven't had the conversion. We've been saved. Filled with the Spirit but I don't know that we've had the conversion of living a full-fledged life from his resurrected life. See, they're not events of three events that happened over a weekend. It's one event that took place that secured three separate issues. You have the cross that took away all your sins. The death that took away the sting and victory of death. But between the Christian that understands his sins are forgiven and the day of resurrection three days later, there is a time in between here where he's nowhere to be found. Where are you, God? We know he died. We know he said he's going to resurrect, but we don't see his evidence of it. He's in the tomb. He's doing the biggest battle in this time here. But between here and there, there's gotta be an understanding of of awakening, if you will, of oh my God, this thing is real. He didn't just get something off of you. He got you something to get into. He took death away, but brought you into life. And from the time that that becomes a reality, we live from a place of shock when we're hit with stuff in life that just takes us, oh my gosh, I can't understand it. I don't see myself getting better. I don't see things changing. I got disappointed. This happened and it shouldn't have happened. I know all those, those are real. Those are real. But it doesn't change the fact over here that he resurrected. We need an encounter like the Emmaus brothers. When we're walking down the road and we saw him and know him for the way he was, but do we really have made the, have we really made the shift for the way he is? Because here's why. In Philippians it says this, as he is in this life, As he is in the world, so are we. So if you only know him as he was, you'll be as he was, not as he is. So how is he? Is he how he was? And what is was to you? It's like a riddle, doesn't it? What is he? Do you know him as the lamb that was led to the slaughter, or you know him as the victorious one that nothing by any means 
can shake you. Whether you live or whether you die, whether you're sick or whether you're whole, whether you're miserable or whether you have great peace, doesn't change who he is. As he is, so are we. We need a transformation. We need an understanding. We need to know as he is. How is he today? Is he already crucified? You better believe he has been. Has he already resurrected? You better believe he has been. Is he gonna resurrect again? No, you can't, because he's not gonna die again. When that shift takes place in your mind and your heart, what I'm saying to you today is we're worshiping as he was way more than who he is. We're trying to cross over. The messages are even trying to get us to cross over. That's why when I said to you, over here, over here is this. The way he was was this. Man, I'll open you up a, the window. I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. So we go, whoa, he's going to open up the windows of heaven and open up a, a blessing. I mean, my God, windows. So we're looking for windows out, out, out here. That's how he was. But over here, he is. No, I'll open up you, Amen. the windows. If this thing doesn't shift from out there, over here, in here, we'll be like the Emmaus guys looking for something out there when he's right here in the midst. He's, he's walking and talking to them. God forbid that we're having church about him. He's here and we don't know it because we're worshiping what he was instead of who he is. As he is today, we are him in the earth. We're trying to get him, we're like, one of the, we're like some of the 5,000 people thinking that Jesus is going to, 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 to do something miraculous and take a two fish and five loaves and spread all that. I'm telling you by the spirit of the Lord this morning, you want to see the glory of God cover the earth like the waters cover the sea? You want to see crazy stuff take place like healings and, and deliverances and, and miracles and signs. and what, You want to see all that stuff? You want to see his glory just cover the earth? You want to see it? Look to your right and to your left. You are the glory of God. You are the windows of heaven. You are them walking in the midst of the two guys in Emmaus. We're trying to evangelize the world when we really need to be discipling the body. And discipling the body starts with us recognizing as he is, so are you. You're looking out there for something that's in here. This thing is shifting. It's moving, it's, 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 it's just happening. Do you remember the scripture that says this, and I, and I wanna pray. Do you remember the scripture that says, 
Jesus up on the cross, they looked at him and said, physician, heal thyself. You remember that story? Physician, heal thyself. They had no idea what they were saying. If he was who he was, he'd heal himself. He's this great physician. Heal himself. You're carrying him. He's in here. Listen, either he's in here or he's in space. Is he in here? You better believe he's in here. Listen, in here, man, I've, I'll tell you how much he's in here. I've been walking to the bathroom and the Spirit of God speak to me inside of here and me go, oh God, that was you. Yeah. And tell me things that there's no way I would have known. How does that happen? Because he's in here. Now listen, if he's in here, the fullness of life is in here. The fullness of God is in here. See, it's more than motivational speaking. It's more than marketing campaigns and, and schemes to get people all psyched up and sell hometown tickets and reserve seats and box seats. And it's, it's more than just growing a church. It's mobilizing people that were dead in their trespasses and sins. That while we're yet in our sin, he chose to die for us and bring us into life. Then he chose us to be the light of the world, to tell people and to demonstrate to people that heaven isn't over there. Heaven is just as much real here as it is over there. Even though we're not there, all of heaven is available to us here. And the Lord is saying, you've had this kind of wrong. Your intentions have been good. But you haven't discerned my body. Not with a wafer in a cup, but here. Because you are the Lord's body and you haven't discerned it. Those guys were walking. Jesus starts at Moses, reveals himself to those guys. Their eyes were opened up, their understanding. They begin to see into the things of God in a matter of a moment. So it don't take 20 years to have an opening. It could happen like that. And their eyes were opened up and on their little road to Emmaus, they're walking and Jesus is talking about himself. And when he was talking about himself, their hearts were burning within him. The Bible says that Jesus would have walked on by. And the guy said, whoa, 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 come and stay here. Here, you gotta stay here. Why? Because we want more of this. You're not a past figure and a future hope. You're an ever-present help in a time of trouble. You are right now, God. You're right in the middle of our circumstance. And you don't have to measure up to some great standard to get God to bless you. He's blessing you because it's his will and desire to bless you. Just because he wants to. Just because he loves you. His love is what drives him and compels him. It's not your goodness. Otherwise, we'd all be in trouble. 
It's his love that compels. It's his love that drives. It's his love and compassion that causes him to get down the crevices of your life. Clean out all the junk. And the first thing the enemy is going to tell you is, you got junk in there. And the first thing you're going to say back to the enemy is, I know I got junk in there, but he knew that what he, he knew he was getting what he got me when he got me. I don't know how to clean myself up. I don't know how to fillet myself. All I know is I must be good for the eating because he took me when I wasn't edible. And he brought me into himself to pick me up and to turn me and to change me and to make me what he wants me to be and to fulfill my purpose and plan in, his life, in my life. I don't know how it all works. I just know that somehow he's so compassionate towards me that even in my frailty, in my insufficiencies, in my insecurities, in my inadequacies, my weaknesses and my, my blemishes and my spots that I see, somehow he doesn't see him. He looks past all of that and still says, I'm driven towards you. He didn't leave the guys after they were snarky and smart aleck to him and saying, where you been all these days? He said, tell me more. Tell me about what you don't know so I can reveal to you what you need to know. And he opened himself up and they said, come on, listen to this. Here's the beautiful part of the story. They go on about their business for the next few days. Jesus begins to reveal himself after the resurrection to the disciples. Comes to the, through the door and he finds it to Thomas. Then he says to them, guys, I gotta go away. At the end of this chapter, he says, listen, I'm gonna take you up to Bethany. Follow me up there. And he takes him to Bethany. Why Bethany? So he could show him, listen, I can't afford you to always think that I'm the one riding in on a colt. If you only see me as the one riding in on a donkey, you'll never see me in my resurrected form. If you only see me as lowly and humble, and hum you'll never see me as the roaring lion that comes in and goes opposed to everything that's opposed to you. Amen. I will take out the enemy for you. I will go against depression. I'll go against fear. I'll go against all that uncertainty. Those are enemies of mine as much as they're enemies of you. But if you only see me as the colt, coming in as the colt, riding lowly on a, on, on a colt, you'll never see me as the, 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 the king that rides in on the white horse. Listen, yes, he's coming back. There's no question about it. He's going to return for his church. Let's settle that once and for all. But until he comes back riding in on the white horse, I got news for you. He comes in riding on a white horse against everything that's coming against you right now. White is righteousness. He comes riding in on the righteousness and the vehicle of righteousness, the ministry of righteousness, and he comes right in and takes care of everything that's coming against you. The torment, the confusion, the depression, the hurt, the pain, the fear, the, the sickness, the disease, everything that's trying to keep you boxed in to keep you from seeing him for who he is. He comes riding in and he says, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. If you only see me as I am, not how I, I was. So Bethany's a place to start to see him as a cult, but it's also a place to see him as a resurrected savior because he began to show himself mighty to everybody in Bethany that would see him for 40 days. He walked the streets saying, 
Don't remember me only as the cult. Remember me as the one that rose from the grave. Don't just see me lowly and beat up and disfigured and disarmed and don't, 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 I I was that. My visage was marred. Nobody recognized me, but nobody's going to recognize me now either until I reveal myself. Touch me, Thomas. Touch me. Have your own encounter. We call him Doubting Thomas because we go, Thomas just didn't believe. Well, listen, I might just have been Thomas too. I probably would have been a Thomas. I'm not so sure I'd have taken Peter's word for it. He tried to cut off an ear and I was there. I don't know if I'd believe Peter and John and James. I'd want to see Jesus for myself. And Jesus didn't say, Thomas, because you didn't believe, you'll never see. No, what he said was, Thomas, touch me. Touch me what? In my resurrected form. Your frame of reference has to change from that I'm going to do it, that I've already pervaded the price of provision. You got to go from he will to he has. If you can make the shift from he will to he has, you shift from Emmaus from my heart is now burning within me because I thought he was dead, but he is now alive. If you make the shift from I was to I will, you won't matter whether you're here or whether you're there because it's all is because he's there and here. He's not over there. We're trying to get him from over there to over here. He's already here. How is he? He's in us. We are the windows of heaven that the world is standing at the windows knocking saying, is there healing inside those windows? Or do I have to go over there to make it happen? Is there, is there prosperity? Is there peace? Can somebody just calm my fears and my torment for just get rid of the confusion? I, I don't even know how to sleep at night. I'm depressed. Things are just falling apart. Somebody show me how to open up the windows. And instead of looking way out there, somebody needs to see it's right in here. Stand to your feet with me. Here's what I want to do. First of all, is there anybody in here that you need to be born again? You need to be saved. You're not saved. What I mean by that is, you've heard this story about Jesus, but you feel like that you're not good enough because you got stuff in your life. And you feel like, I've never really settled my, my, my destination once and for all. That, that when I live this life and this life's over, I gotta know that I know that I know that after this life, I know I will be in heaven. But I, I don't know how to get there. And I'm not going to have you just pray a prayer and repeat after me, because that's surely not going to change anything. Right? What changes is your heart. When your heart changes, your confession begins to change. We're going to open up the altar here in just a moment, but I want to tell you, who in here needs an Emmaus experience where you are blinded by the world's stuff and your eyes have not opened up? You need to truly... I'm not talking about just getting stuff off of you. I'm talking about getting you into good stuff. You need to get saved from two. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody's looking around, please. No one. I normally don't do these type of altar calls, but I'm going to do one here today. I'm going to count to three. If you need to be saved and you need to be born again, you need to put your past behind you and embrace this brand new thing that God has for you. A plan, a purpose that's well beyond your ability to even understand. Nobody's looking around. I'm just going to count to three. When I count to three, if you are ready to be saved, ready to be born again, I want you to lift your hand. When I count to three. One, two, three. Anybody in here? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see him. I see him. There's four. There's five. There's five. There's more. There's six. I see your hand. Now, with nobody looking around, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to step out of your seat. 
I don't want you to run down to the aisle. Just come down here. We're going to pray with you. Just step out of your seat. Nobody's going to be embarrassed. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's looking. Just step out of your seat if you don't mind and come down front here. I need some prayer people to come and pray. Yeah. We're settling this thing once and for all. Right? I want people to pray with them. I want, to, I want them to seal this thing and settle it once and for all. No, hell is not your home. Heaven is, will be your home. Right? Here's what I want to do. On this side of the altar, which is your right and my left, I want to pray with some people today that are sick and you need God to touch your body, touch your mind. Okay? I want you to step out of your seat and just line up to my left, to your right. And I'm going to lay hands on you myself and I'm going to anoint you with oil, as the Bible says. And we're going to watch God heal you. So whoever you are that needs a touch from God, touch from heaven, you need those windows to open up, I want you to just come over here on my left to your right. Who are you? Anybody else need prayer? I see you. Anybody else? need God to touch you. I'm going to wait 30, se- 30 more seconds. Anybody else? You need God to touch your body to heal you. Anybody else? If you'll give me five minutes, Steph, if you'll begin leading us in worship, you're Curtis or whoever's going to be singing this song. You give me five minutes. You guys just hang around. Don't just leave just yet. If you can stay around, I really appreciate it. It's not going to take me long to pray for people. It's not the magic in the prayer or the magic in the touch. It's the actual impartation of what God is doing. So if somebody, by the time I get to the end of the aisle and you need prayer, let me say it this way too. If somebody wants to stand in for somebody else that needs healing that's not here, you come and stand up here too and I'll pray for you. Okay, we're just going to agree in prayer is all we're going to do. All right, give me five minutes.
alive. He won the victory.